This morning, as we conclude the series of the emotional roller coaster, we go to uh, Psalm 139, which I'll read as soon as I get my goggles out. There we go. So uh, turn on your Bibles or open them up and read with me uh, in your heart, um, listening with your ears to Psalm 139, the first dozen verses. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. And you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness will hide me and the light become as night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. May God add his blessing on our reading, our pursuit of understanding, and our endeavoring to live out those words as the truth of our lives. Will you pray with me? Uh, Lord God, when we read scriptures, we pray for the truth. Not just any truth. Not a truth of our own imagination. Not a truth of our own inclination or desire but your truth, the truth that is eternal from everlasting to everlasting, the truth that is wide as width can be and as high as height can be and beyond. We pray for truth. Lord, and one of the truth that we are going to speak today is the fact that many here and beyond us, those in this room, those watching on the internet, those watching later this week, are lonely hearts broken, feeling a farness from others and maybe even you. And so we pray this morning. You know us well. You know our comings and our going. We read that psalm. We know that even before we were knit in our mother's womb, you knew us and declared us yours. And so, Lord, we pray that we might know unity with you, oneness in you as you are community. So let us be in community with you. Let us hear this truth and that which you speak to us today. We ask, Lord, without apologies that you ignite, that you inspire, that you challenge the truth bringer, Simon, as he comes forward this morning to speak your truth, to guide us to a place where we might live more fully. And before he says a word, Lord, we say thank you, Jesus, for his ministry. In your name we pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, to your pulpit, your worship director, Simon Campbell. Let's give him some love. Go get him. Thanks. Truth bringer. Um, <clears throat> good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. We're wrapping up our sermon series about the emotional roller coaster, and we're talking about loneliness today and, and the role that it plays in our life and what the Christian faith has to say um, about this issue, this topic. And I think that um, we can all acknowledge that our life 
um, has ups and downs, right? We've all experienced to some, um, to some extent, yes, our ups and downs look different from one another and we might experience them in different ways, but this is a collective experience. We're all kind of in this together. And there are moments in, in our lives where we, where we really feel connected to each other um, and, and in this shared experience. We realize like, yes, I'm, I'm all with you and that's like part of being on a roller coaster. But then there's other times where um, we, we feel isolated. That even though we know that there are different ups and downs and we all share them to some extent, we feel isolated and alone in our experience. And that loneliness creeps into our lives and wells up within our, within our spirits, within our hearts. And so the question is, why, why do we experience loneliness? Why do we experience loneliness? And today, specifically, what does the Christian faith have to say about it? So I'm going to talk about three things, three things this morning. Um, first, that loneliness is not a sign that something is wrong with you, Okay. So hear that. Loneliness is not a sign that something is wrong with you. In fact, the second thing is that loneliness is a sign of the image of God inside of us. Okay? Loneliness, the fact that we experience loneliness is a sign of God's image within us. We'll talk about more about that later. And then lastly, loneliness itself is an invitation into unity with God and with others. So first, let's talk about the myths that we have about loneliness, that loneliness is not a sign that something is wrong with you. I think a lot of times when we, when we talk about, when we see the culture that we live in engage with the issue of loneliness, oftentimes what, what they tell us is that there's something wrong with us. There's, a, there's an imbalance. There's a deficiency in our lives that results in our loneliness. And this leads us to believe in a lot of myths and lies uh, about what loneliness is and what causes it. You might have heard that, well, if you're lonely, it's most likely because you, you don't have enough friends. You don't have enough social interaction, meaningful so- social interaction in your life. And if you just were put yourself out there more um, engaged with more people, you wouldn't be so lonely. But there's a study in psychology today that says that um, they found that loneliness does not depend on how many friends or relationships you have. Uh, In their study with a a number of individuals, they didn't see any correlation between the number of friends someone had and whether or not somebody was lonely. So you could have all the friends in the world and still be lonely or not have very many friends and not be lonely. So there must be a different reason. There must be something else. Maybe you've heard someone say, you know, I'm, I'm just really lonely. I'm really looking for that, like, committed re- romantic relationship. That's what's missing in my life. If I, if I had that committed relationship, I wouldn't be so lonely. But the same study found that 60% of people that identified as lonely were married. So there must be something else. There must be something deeper Maybe you've heard that loneliness doesn't affect really that many people, and it's mostly just people who are in, you know, emotionally um, not as adjusted, or, or maybe that there is, it's some form of weakness within themselves, and, and that strong people don't feel lonely. But 
40 to 45%, according to Fortune magazine, 40 to 45% of the population identifies with being chronically lonely. Not just, oh yeah, I was lonely that one time, but that 40 to 45% of our population says that they are chronically dealing with loneliness. So obviously it's not just, strong people get lonely, okay? And maybe you've heard, well, loneliness... It's really not that big of a deal. It doesn't affect us that much. It's just one of those things that you just kind of have to, you know, deal with it, suck it up. But there are a number of studies that show that loneliness has a profound effect, not only on our emotional state, but actually on our physiological state, our bodies. Loneliness has an effect on our bodies. These studies say that loneliness causes our stress hormones to increase, which in turn can cause our blood pressure and our cholesterol levels to rise, which increases our risk of heart disease. Um, they say that loneliness actually suppresses your immune system. It doesn't, it doesn't allow it to function as well. There's a university study, in fact, that says that loneliness increases the risk of premature death by 26%. And that's a staggering number because that's the same figure of increased risk of premature death that obesity causes in our nation. So loneliness has just as much effect on the longevity of our life as obesity does in our country. So there is, there is obviously a, an issue with our loneliness, but we, but we ask the question, why? Why am I lonely? If it's not these things, why am I lonely? Now, the Christian faith says that loneliness is a sign of God's image in us. Now, that might sound really crazy, but what the Christian faith is saying, no, you're not lonely because there's something wrong with you. You're, the, the reason that we experience lonely, loneliness is because we are made in the image of God. You see, God himself is a community. God is a community. In the Christian faith, we believe that God is three in one, that, that he is Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And this Trinity, you know, it's, it, that word in and of itself reveals the nature of who God is. Tri being three persons in unity in one, tri-unity. So God himself is community. And the Father, the Spirit, the Son have deep relationship and unity with one another, constantly indwelling each other in, in deep, loving relationship. So it is not because there's something wrong with us, it's actually because we are like God. Loneliness occurs because we are like God. So going back to strong people don't get lonely, actually the fact that we get lonely makes us alike to the strongest entity in the universe. Okay, so because we are like God, we experience loneliness. When God made Adam in the Garden of Eden, he said, he said right from the start about humanity, it is not good for us to be alone. This is when, when, this is when everything is perfect. Adam is standing out surveying creation with God and, he, and he's longing he, he sees all of creation, but doesn't see a partner for himself. And so God says, it is not good for us to be alone. We are made in his image. Therefore, we experience this loneliness. There are a lot of things 
there are a lot of things that we experience on the roller coaster of life. A lot of challenges that we face because of the effects of sin in our lives and in our world. But we experience loneliness because we are like God. We, we like God, we, we want to be around other people. We want to be in relationship. We need other people to love, to work with, to talk to, to share with. There must be, so with this in mind, there must be a greater purpose to our loneliness. If we experience loneliness because we are like God, there must be a greater purpose. And that's because loneliness is an invitation into unity with God and with others. Loneliness is an invitation into unity with God and with others. You see, loneliness points to the deepest need, the deepest desire of the human heart which is to be fully known and fully loved. That's the deepest longing. The deepest desire of the human heart is to be fully loved and fully known. And if, and if we experience anything that's half of that equation, but not quite, we will always come up longing. We, it will not satisfy us. That is the longing of the human heart to be fully known and fully loved. Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York City, he says it this way, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, like a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. What this is saying is if we experience half of the equation, our, our inner longing, our deep loneliness is not going to be satisfied. You see, if we're loved but not known... It's going to result in shallow, superficial relationships. Now, I think as Midwesterners, we, we have a little bit of this going on all the time because if somebody comes up to you and asks, well, how are you doing this morning? Oh, good. No matter what's going on, it'll be some kind of response like that. Oh, well, I'm doing all right. Pretty good. How about you? If all we're doing in our lives, and you see this on social media as well, we only present the things about our lives that are desirable, the things that we are proud of, or the things that are going well oftentimes. And if, all, if that's all we do ever in our life, it doesn't matter how many friends you have, if they're only this deep, that longing, that loneliness is never going to be met because we're not fully known. We're not fully known. So it doesn't matter how many cat videos or whatever, all that adulation, all that affirmation that I receive, all that love that I receive from other people, even though it might be a vast amount, if I'm not fully known, that love doesn't sink any further than the the shallow parts of my soul. And I'm I'm still left longing. But if we are known but not loved... Now, this is, where, this is where our greatest fear comes into play. Because in the back of our minds, we're saying, well, if they really knew, if they really knew who I was, the things I struggle with, the things that have happened to me, the, the, the darkest places of my life, if they really knew, there's no way they could love me. 
That is the fear that's in the back of our minds all the time. And this is the fear that drives us into isolation from other people. This is the fear that causes us to undercut our self-worth, to, to make us believe that we are not worthy of love, that, that makes us believe that we are not worthy of connection with other people. And it feeds the lies that we are told about why we are lonely. And this is the place where the Christian faith offers us hope even in the midst of our loneliness because there is one, there is someone who both knows us completely, knows everything there is to know about us and loves us completely. I want you to take out the Bibles that are in front of you in the pockets and the chairs, take those out. Um, Flip it open to Psalm 31. This is part of the passage that Pastor Mike read to us. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And when, so it's about in the middle, the the back part of the middle of the Bible is where Psalms, the Psalms are. And Psalm 139 is towards the very end of the Psalms. So when when you've gotten there, when you've turned it, just hold that Bible up real quick. And then uh, put it back down and that way I can see where we are. Oh, this is like Bible popcorn. You know when it's done, when the pops start getting further and further away, right? (laughs) Okay, awesome. Thank you. So this is where we, this is where we see that God fully knows us. I'm looking at verses one through four. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word, before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Keep that page open. We're going to come back to it. But this, the psalmist is saying how he's revealing that God knows us so intimately. He formed us. He created us. He knows everything about us. There is nothing that we can do that's going to surprise God. There's nothing about us. There's nothing about us that God is unexpected, that's unexpected to God. He knows every part of us. He's familiar with everything we do before we even say a word. Sorry. Before we even say a word, he knows what's in our minds. And yet he also loves us completely. Romans 8.38 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor the depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we have, we, we have a God that doesn't just love us in the high places of our roller coaster. We have a God that loves us in the deepest depths. And there's nothing that can separate us from that love. So God fully knows us, fully loves us, and he is always with us. Flip back to that, to that psalm in verse 8 through 12. It shows how God is always with us. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make b- my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea... Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And if I say, surely the darkness will hide me, this is when we say, well, 
Surely the Lord would not be with me even in the darkest places of my life. Surely he's not riding that roller coaster to the bottom with me. Surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. But even the darkness, even in the worst and the most darkest places of our lives, the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. You see, we serve a God. We have a God that loves us so much. He has experienced everything that we experience We do not serve a God who's a stranger to the things that are going on in our hearts. You see, Jesus, I want you to think back through um, Jesus on the cross in the last moments of his life, right before he's taking his last breath. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now that's a crazy thing for for the son of God to say. But it's in that moment, you see, like I said before, God is, is community. God is, God is Trinity and he's experienced, Jesus experienced for the first time the brokenness of that unity. When the weight of the world of sin was upon him, he, he was left alone from his father in heaven and it, and cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We serve a God who understands what it's like to be lonely, to be cut off. So God is with us in the highest of heights and the deepest of depths. He knows us and loves us completely. So our loneliness, the thing that cries out within us, that longs for that deep unity, this loneliness is what draws us to unity of being fully known and fully loved by God. And that love, that that relationship, that unity is the blueprint for our relationships with one another. That unity, that love that we experience from God becomes the, blue, the blueprint, the map for us in our relationships with other people. In John 13, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This, this command, this call is very clear. Jesus is calling us to love as God loves us. To allow the love that we, that we receive from God to become a reflection of how we love each other. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if I am loving, if I'm loving my neighbors, if I'm loving the people that are around me in the way that I deepest need to be loved, I'm loving them in that full knowledge, in that full love, just as God loves me. And when we do this, when we embrace, when we follow the call of loneliness to embrace the love of Christ and to love others in the same way, we are fulfilling God's greatest desire for all of humanity. This is why he made us. This is why he formed us to experience this wonderful, beautiful unity with God and with others. This is his biggest, grandest hope from the beginning. This is why we're lonely. This is what we long for. God's image in us, God's image that's been placed in us is welling up within us, pointing us to this unity with God and with other people. Jesus, in another garden, in another time, right before he was about to complete 
the work of salvation on the cross the night before he was crucified. He's saying a prayer to his father in heaven. And in this prayer, Jesus reveals the deepest desires of his heart. This is what it's all for. This is why he's doing what he's doing. And this is his prayer in John 17. He says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them so that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. You see, our loneliness is not a result of something being wrong with us. It's not a punishment for sin in our lives. Our loneliness is the sign of God's image in us. Our loneliness is an invitation into unity with God and with others to satisfy the deepest longing of our hearts. And friends, if we can become here in Marion, if we can become a community that embraces the love of God and loves other people the way that God loves us, we usher in that unity that's God's greatest hope for all of us. And that's the promise. That's the promise that the Christian faith offers us even in the midst of our loneliness. It's not that loneliness is not gonna happen. That's not the promise of the Christian faith. The promise of the Christian faith is that when we experience loneliness, there's hope and it's pointing us to something greater, to something deeper. There's hope that we can satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for how you fully know us and fully love us. And Lord, it is hard for us to comprehend. The psalmist says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. And sometimes, Lord, it is difficult for us to embrace it. But Lord, we pray that your spirit would move in us. If we haven't embraced your love for us, if we are not feeling it right now, Lord, we pray that you would move in us, that you would, that you would convince us, that you would, that you would come to us and show us how much you know us, how much you love us, so that we might reflect that love to the others around us and become a community that is a beacon of hope, that is a picture, a glimpse of the unity that you have longed for us from the beginning of time. All this we ask and pray for in your precious name. Amen.